you? Where are you? Well, I'm just sucking down on some watermelon. Um, I've been having watermelon a lot lately. It's been awesome. Uh, so I guess that kind of loops into how I am. Whenever I've got watermelon, I'm pretty damn sweet. Um, and where are we? Well, we're in this little place called uh, Valisas, or the locals kind of pronounce it Valisas. And it's a, um, a fairly remote beach, four hours from the capital of Uruguay, Montevideo by bus. Um, and it's just like this little outpost. <laughs> I don't know. What's the ocean here? It must be the Atlantic, South, yeah. South Atlantic. And um, yeah, so it's sort of eastern Uruguay. And it's kind of paradise, really. It's <laughs> really beautiful. We've had a super relaxing, chill time, which is why we came here. So welcome to the How Are You, Where Are You podcast. It's an audio travelogue of our adventures by bike as we find our way home and reacquaint ourselves with Aotearoa, New Zealand. Now, sum up the trip so far. 4th of April, 2015, we cycled away from Caledonian Road in London, in 79RN. And uh, that's where we've been living, around there anyway. We're staying at our friend's place because we'd moved out of our flat. But that's about where we'd been staying for the last seven years, living in London. And we cycled out to uh, our friend Jimmy's place in Essex. And that was the start of the trip, 4th of April 2015. It seems so long ago. And we basically cycled to Lisbon. From there, we jumped on a plane. And we spent the month of July 2015 hanging out with Shelley's parents in Cuba. Then we jumped on another plane uh, to Cancun in Mexico. And August the 1st was really where we started kicking into action on the on the Central and South America journey. We cycled from Cancun all the way to Peru's capital of Lima. So the trip's basically London to Lima. And now it's time to plan for what's next. In breaking news, we are just two days away from boarding our flight to New Zealand, which is really exciting. But um, we are in, as Baden said, quite a remote part of Uruguay out on the beach. So we have a very long bus ride and a ferry ride to get back to uh, being in Argentina and anywhere close to the airport. But it has really been worth it coming out here to relax. It's a, it's a little town that I came to first in 2009 when I traveled a little bit in South America. And a girl from Buenos Aires um, recommended this place to me and when I came out here I spent a week and it was just the pace is so slow out here and um, I don't have a very good memory but I did remember I enjoyed it and Baden had heard a few things that I'd said about it over the years and he was keen to see it too. Yeah I mean our aim for this part of the trip was just to uh, relax you know we were really tired when we finished in Lima and then you know, having sort of an overnight flight uh, to Buenos Aires, it was kind of, we never really properly recovered and we spent you know, time as you should exploring Buenos Aires because the city is outstanding. And so, yeah, before we went back to New Zealand, we just needed time to relax. And I don't know, coming out here, I just immediately felt that. You walk down the street, no one's there. It's um, it's filled with lots of little batches, as we'd call them in New Zealand, cottages or, you know, that are only 
seasonally occupied. So apparently during the height of summer, this place is really rammed. At winter time, there's hardly anybody here at all, just locals. Yeah, and and someone was saying that at the moment, it's kind of like that in-between time, and it's really nice because it's not too few people that you get bored, yeah. but there's enough. You know, we've been on the beach. It's this massive, wide, gaping beach. And there's been maybe, what, 25 people, 50 at a stretch down at the beach. Yeah. Just all this great expanse of sand to ourselves. And oh, I've just loved it. I think I think I was here about this time of year when I, I came. And I remember yeah. it. It's funny, um, when you went back to Tulum after 10 years, you couldn't believe how much it had changed. And I've come back here after, what is it, six years, and it hasn't changed at all. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing, like Tulum had grown probably in Mexico on the Yucatan uh, Peninsula. No, but when I went there in 2005, it was just a few shops, you know, a couple of hostels. You know, it was okay, but now it's just fully built up. And I was saying to, to Shelly on the bus, you know, we'll probably arrive in Belize us and it would be like you know, casino or something, but <laughs> really, and, and the lady that we uh, rented the batch off, she just said, yeah, nothing's changed. Yeah. Nothing, nothing's changed at all. It was kind of a cruisy sort of thing, really. We just arrived off the bus and then we just asked around, you know, there's all these batches, but no one sort of around going, oh, do you want to rent this batch or whatever? Mm. And then just talk to a couple of people to find out where we can find one from. Oh, yeah, Beatrice, she's got a couple of batches. She's, <laughs> she's got a couple of, um, what do they call them, cabanas to rent? So we're like, okay, yeah, um, where's Beatrice? <laughs> and it's actually a really nice little place. It's just yeah. one big room. It's got a bathroom. It's got hot water, which I thought was quite fancy. Oh, yeah. And this amazing asado, like a big brick barbecue. And we made a really good fire in it last night. Yeah. And we're about to make another one. So hopefully we can uh, repeat the effort from last night because it's all about grilling meat. That's Uruguay and Argentina. That was my sort of big aims for coming here. We fulfilled it in Argentina. I had a couple of really nice steaks in Buenos Aires. And yeah, Buenos Aires, we, we were also there. You know, we... we um, hung out, um, well, basically, we've dropped our bikes somewhere out near the airport. We found a guy who um, who came and met us at 7 o'clock in the morning on his bicycle at uh, Water Zardes Airport. Martin. Yeah, Martin, and we built up our bikes and we rolled out. I always love this thing of, like, building your bike in the arrivals area at the airport, you know, putting the pedals in the saddle and all that, straightening up the handlebars. And then riding out of the airport, you know, no one does that. And so you feel kind of cool doing it. And it was a really lovely morning. And yeah, we just left and went riding with Martin for about 25k. We got to his house. It's completely flat, but it was really strange riding after the flight. We were so tired. And um, yeah, so we left our bikes with him and we said, yeah, we'll be back on the 10th. We're just going to go do some exploring. He's there, yeah, no problemas. So, um, yeah, and then we stayed with another people, uh, another couple from Warm Showers, um, Argos and Mylen, and yeah, they've got a lovely apartment in fairly central Buenos Aires, and it was a great base to sort of go around exploring, and it's an amazing city, and you know, this is the thing that we've realized since we've been in Uruguay and Argentina is, you know, the, the level of development is a lot higher Uruguay not so much it looks like it kind of stopped in in the 90s or something I don't know it's Montevideo felt a bit strange we we're only there for a night we can't really judge too much but yeah it's definitely a level up and in, in sort of 
how developed things are. So it's kind of been weird getting used to, right? Oh, it's been so strange. Like, you know, after all that time moving slowly on a bike to then get on a plane and just transplant yourself from one part of South America to another, the change was so dramatic. You know, we're on the road. No one's honking at us. Mm. Um, it just is, you know, we're in central Buenos Aires and we go into a bakery and it's like being in a French patisserie. Um, I mean, the whole thing was was completely different and so much more European. Um, it was, yeah, I felt I felt like it was quite a shock to me, you know, just seeing all the houses and everything. It, it just looked a lot more prosperous. Yeah, it's just something I hadn't really prepared myself for in my head. You know, you can walk around and feel a bit more blended in, you know, like, you know, it's weird to say, but, you know, there's a lot more people that look like us there. And... Yeah, it was just sort of, I hadn't prepared for myself. And I think our hosts, when I was sort of talking about this, were quite surprised to hear me say that. Like, what did you expect? Yeah. But um, I think as well, like, Argos was a bit like, in a lot of ways, it's very European. But in a lot of other ways, it's really South American, especially with regard to politics. Yeah. You know, there is that sort of Latin flair, that Latin passion, you know. If you ask a few questions, say about the Malvinas <laughs> or or the economy, that really stirs people up, isn't it? Which is which I really like. It's great. So when we return to Buenos Aires, we've got some jobs to do. We have to do a big cleaning job on our tent and our bikes and our panniers because flying back to New Zealand means going through customs and having the bio guys at the border checking your your stuff really doesn't it i mean i i've not experienced this that much we you took a bike back once and they did check it i've, t- I've taken a bike back twice actually oh, okay. yeah. and they've both both times have been oh uh is this clean because it's been in it's been in like a inside a bike bag sort of thing and i've said yeah i just cleaned it meticulously before i went but that was coming from London. Oh. So I think what, you know, when they see all the countries that we've been to, they'll yeah. probably want to go through our stuff a lot more. So, yeah, New Zealand, because it's an island, um, they're really anal about biosecurity. So, yeah, we've got to, like, scrub down our bikes, make sure there's no dirt left on them. Yeah. Uh, we gave them a bit of a cursory scrub in Peru and Lima, but we need to do a lot more. Yeah, it's like cleaning the tyres quite carefully. Yeah. And also the tent, Terry the, the tent. tent. Yeah. He's been in some pretty unsavory places <laughs> yeah exactly i mean you, you probably all remember the frog incident so uh there's there's no smell of frog in there anymore but i'm sure the biosecurity guys will find some sort of like poisonous no. something in there but so that's why we have to sort of get that out clean our panniers are dusty as all hell yeah. you know and and really dirty so we need to scrub those down and then just check we don't have any sort of weird spiders or birds that have crept into our clothing <laughs> or or our other stuff <laughs> yeah so originally we thought um yeah we'll go back and give ourselves two days to do all that but as it turns out now we liked it so much here in uruguay that uh we um are just going back and going to do it all on the day of our flight so this is <laughs> we had we had planned like two days of solid cleaning then we thought okay can we uh, rationalise it so we can stay at the beach another day? Yeah. yeah. Let's just do it on the day of our flight. So, um, yeah, I think Friday is going to be a fun day of uh, of cleaning. <laughs> 
In our last episode, we mentioned that we would talk more this time about our decision to cut the trip short. Uh, so originally, we weren't meant to be arriving to New Zealand until November, and actually, we're going to be there in March. So... Um, what you may not know is that this decision was made a wee while ago. It's been kind of a long time coming. Uh, I don't know exactly when. Do you remember? Well, I remember we we finally bought the flight from Lima um, in January when we are in Pasto. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah, there's, a, there's kind of like a history, isn't there, yeah, of, of there is nearly history. going home. <laughs> yeah, so there were a couple of really kind of crunch turning points, really, for us on this trip. And one of them was one I'd in Cuba, you know, I think I talked about in the Cuba podcast, and I went off on this bike trip you know, by myself while Shelley was hanging out with her parents and found it extremely difficult. You know, the heat, um, uh, yeah, the humidity, it, it was really tough and it made me oh, sort of, <laughs> but it, it made me question my confidence, you know, like, am I capable of doing this sort of long term trip? Europe was just so easy. Yeah. And then it did this thing in Cuba, um, you know, also dealing with the extra attention, you know, getting with the bikes and things. It was just a whole different exercise really. Yeah. And, and also, um, I also lost a stupid amount of money as well. You know, you have to carry all this cash around in Cuba, and um, somehow I lost probably around about three hundred dollars worth of just of cash. Somehow, don't really know where it went. But yeah, that sort of made me like, am I care? It made me think, am I careful enough? You know, no. Mm. Um, and then on the other side of that, while you were sort of a bit shaken by that, I was saying goodbye to my parents not long after that, and just felt so homesick and just really could have got on the plane with them, you know, because I had such a good time with them. So you were sort of worried about your capability on cycle touring. I was just kind of feeling sorry for myself and missing my mum and dad. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I could sense that that was the way you were feeling as well, you know, and it just made us question you know, is this what we want to do? Yeah, but, but then I, my dad like gave us that pep talk. Remember, he was like, "If you don't do this, you're really going to regret it." Yeah, and um, yeah, that that was true. And so we kind of resolved, look, we've got to try out, see what it's like in Cancun. You know, I just didn't know how I would deal with the whole heat sort of thing, and and then we set off from Cancun, and the first few days were really great. We sort of felt like it just it, it kind of really took us just to um, the the action of basically just getting on the road and riding again and then just start re-remembering all these feelings that cycle all these nice feelings that cycle touring gives you and you know we got off to that really good start and then you know further south on the Yucatan I got that heat stroke had to go to a doctor had to go had to go to the hospital and then basically rest up for a week and then we took that holiday to Mexico City and uh, Oaxaca to try and, um, well, as, as part of the recovery sort of thing, but also because we were really, our confidence, my confidence especially was shaken. You know, do we really want to be doing this trip? And so that it was a really nice distraction to go off to Mexico City. And I remember, you know, lying in our hotel room in uh, Chetumal and 
Googling up on Skyscanner and and apps like that, going, okay, so if we were to fly from here back to New Zealand, how much would that cost? How would we do it? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that was really tough on you. I because I hadn't been ill, I wasn't in the same place as you, mm. and I was like, come on, man, like we can do this. <laughs> we we, don't, we shouldn't go home now. Yeah, exactly, and you know. We had to had to sort of resolve yet again to like let's give it another shot. Let's go to Belize. We'll do short days and see how it went, and that turned out awesome. You know, we did these short days in Belize, and and then yeah, we followed that through to Guatemala. But at that point, we're getting stronger and stronger, and and more confident and more used to the whole day to day thing. But it still made us think, okay, so you know how how much can we go how much can we keep going on and so our thoughts then started to drift towards um well shall we fly home from El Salvador or shall we fly then it started to change no no we'll fly home from Panama so we'll research I research flights to I, I genuinely don't remember this yeah no we were this, these were part of the things that we were thinking I mean oh we had gotten to the no we had gotten to the um no, the role, when I had got onto a bit of a role, but I think at that point we knew that we weren't going to be cycling all the way to Argentina. Oh. No, that was unlikely that we were going to be doing that. Oh my God, I completely forgot. Yeah, well, that's kind of how it was rolling. And um, so, so when did the Bogota thing come on the scene? Because there was a, for a while we were going to be, Bogota was the end. Yeah, well, I think that was mainly because flights from, so just to step back a little bit, Right at the very start of the trip, before we left London, we bought a flight um, as far out as we could from Buenos Aires to Queenstown. And we bought that flight just with the thought that we will keep pushing it back. We'll push it back until we really know, once we, finish, once we cycle to Argentina, we'll know, know what date it's going to be. We'll, we'll push it back to then. And... Um, and so the idea of having the flight was that some places where we needed visas to go through, they just need a proof of onward travel. So I thought, well, this would be our proof of onward travel. We've got this flight. But we never thought of it as this would be like a, a bailout option. We never thought we would fly on this date. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so, so what started to happen, we go back to sort of thinking that we'll fly from Panama and... The flights were really expensive to get down to Buenos Aires. So we thought, okay, well, let's, Bogota, the flights are cheaper. Let's go to Bogota. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we were intrigued by Colombia. And so, yeah, we went on the boat telling everyone, yep, we're going to finish in Bogota. Well, we didn't tell the podcast people. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we're going to finish in Bogota. That's where we're cycling to. But then something else happened. We met Lennon and Shaggy, who you remember from the Colombian podcasts. And seeing Shaggy, like the long-term cycle tour, how he did the whole day-to-day thing and how he could do it so cheap, learning from Lennon all these um, you know, cheap ways to, uh, you know, to cycle tour, that really changed the whole game for us. And this is where Shelly and I started to divert a lot more so um no Shelly remember one time she was talking to Lennon as we were cycling along and then Lennon rode off and he started riding with me and she was thinking yeah um 
Lennon says we should keep going. <laughs> we should we should keep cycling. I'm like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea because at this point I am just absolutely loving it. And I, and I was loving it right into Panama City. You know, um, Co- Costa Rica was a great country for cycle touring and I really enjoyed it there. The hill, getting into the hills again, um, you know, just made me think, oh yeah, I can, I can do all this. You know, I can keep going all the way to Argentina. And then we went to Colombia. The hills are much bigger. And I'm and I'm thinking, yeah, it'd be really nice if I could convince Shelley to keep going. And then when you said to me, yeah, let's keep going. Let's let's um well let's go. Let's keep going a bit further. I was right with you on that. We'll just we'll take the flight in March on March the 11th. We'll just take that flight, and then we thought, okay, well, we can probably get to Lima in time to. But as we got close to Lima, as we went through Ecuador, started cycling in Peru. Yeah, I just, you know, really doubted, you know, that I wanted to go home. Mm. And I guess it's also because, you know, you don't know what our life is going to be like in New Zealand. And cycle touring had was a lot more certain mm. at that time, you know. Um, I know what we're doing here. I can, I know I can sort of do this. And I can do it quite cheaply. We can stay in budget and all that sort of thing. So... Yeah, so Shelley was all made up to go home, but for me it's taken a lot more getting used to the idea. And to be honest, I'm still not still not quite there yet. You know, like flying from Lima to here, you know, some ways it was kind of nice, you know. It was nice and relaxing being on that plane and comfortable. But I just kept thinking about, you know, what's underneath and what I don't know could have been or might have to be one day in the future perhaps but mm. same thing when we were on the bus coming out to Uruguay and you know coming out here to Belisas and the countryside is amazing and a nice little rolling roads just the kinds that you know type of road that I really liked and I was just it just feels really trapped in the bus and you know that that feeling is not the same on the bike you feel like really connected to all your surroundings and yeah so yeah I don't, when you're on a plane when you're on a bus i can't help but feel still that it's cheating mm. oh dear well well listeners i do feel a bit guilty <laughs> that's right it's kind of mostly my decision that we're going home um and for me there are some reasons that i don't know baden doesn't feel and you know one of them is obviously my family really miss me and i really miss them and um you know i want to i want to be there with them um my parents are are quite worried about baden and i running out of luck they think the longer that we travel the more likely it is some terrible tragedy will befall us and even though i i don't feel that um i do I do feel that pull. And also, you know, I've got a, we've got a niece and nephew now and I don't even know those kids. And I, I, I want to go back and I want to hang out with those people. And I know I've got my whole life to do that. And some people will think, oh, why would you, you know, finish this trip of a lifetime early to hang out with your family? But that's not the only reason. Um, and there's other things. There's things we want to do back in New Zealand, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast. But also, you know... Being with one person the entire time, for anybody who's done any kind of long-time travel, they know that when you're with someone 24-7, seven days a week for months and months, it, it becomes 
pretty intense and there's really good times and there's also really bad times. And, you know, when I lived in London, I had a lot of really good girlfriends that um, I relied on a lot and probably more than I thought. And now, now having been on this trip, having been in this cycle touring life for 11 months, um, I realized that I really need more than one relationship (laughs) 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 and especially I need female relationships you know I need I need other ladies to talk to so um for me that's another reason to to stop and and to um reassess um no offense Baden I mean (laughs) we've had a great time but this is the thing it's like it's not as if like you know our relationships broken down or whatever and that's why we're going home it's it's not that's that's not a factor at all it's mm. been amazing like there's no way i could have done this without you mm-hmm. and obviously vice vice versa is that yes, true yeah yes, vice versa. <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> no it's um you know our relationship and stuff is stronger than ever but yeah it's just that we kind of disagree well it's not disagree it's just like we have we, yeah, we, well, maybe it is disagree, <laughs> but there, we just have there. Yeah, I've just grown to really love this whole cycle touring thing, yeah. and um, sh- and also I guess it's because I'm not really looking forward to what's around the corner necessarily. Like, uh, like having to think of what life is going to be like after cycle touring is not really something I want to contemplate right now. But it's becoming very real. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, but yeah, and for you, it's just it's just a it's just a little bit different. Yeah, I, the other thing for me is that I think after a year of travel, I kind of feel like uh, I kind of feel like I can't work out what's happened to me or what's changed or what I've learned until I stop moving. Because while I'm still moving, I'm still receiving a lot of new information, and I feel like there's a backlog that I really want to work through before I do more travel and for me this time period of a year feels feels right I just think and adding another six months on it starts to weigh on me the Mm -hmm. thought the thought when we were up in the north of South America the thought of riding all the way to Buenos Aires was just like that is just too far it was Mm -hmm. doing my head in a bit Mm -hmm. so yeah physically it wouldn't be too far, you know. Like, you know, we we both know that you know we're capable of doing it. We're capable of scaling the highest road passes, you know. We're capable of riding through deserts, you know. We've proved all this to ourselves. Like, there's there's nothing on that road, uh, that theoretical road ahead from Lima that would scare us or mm. or frighten us. Like, we know that we can do it all. But you know, there is a certain level of tiredness, and uh, if if we weren't going back to New Zealand we would need like a really good long time off the bike relaxing mm. um, and just not doing cycle touring like reading like it's been amazing being out here on the beach I've read one and a half books just I just don't do that on the road mm. um, I, I do read a lot I read a lot of like news magazines and things like I get on my devices but I yeah don't get into a book or anything and uh, that's what travel's kind of meant to be like but for cycle touring oh. and me, I just felt too tired. Cycle touring, there's a lot of uh, hard work and routine. And we were listening to another podcast, a Travelling 2 podcast, about coming home. And there were three of them, three cycle tourists, all talking about it. And they were sort of agreeing that the fun element of cycle touring is somewhere between 20 and maybe 50% of the time. You know, it's yeah. not just one big party. There's yeah. a lot of 
dull, repetitive parts of cycle touring. Yeah. And that's the thing. We sit down to do this podcast, you know, like we are right now. We've got like a bottle of beer here, and like, you know, this is how we do our podcast. It comes across as like it's friendly, and we're having an amazing time. But it was when they said that the fun element could be like twenty to fifty percent. We thought, nah. But then we thought about it. We're like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think for us, it is probably 50% fun. Yeah. But, you know, as much as on the podcast that, you know, it sounds like we're having an amazing time. Yeah, we are having an amazing time. But there's some times where it's bloody hard. It's really hard. Yeah. And you get through it. And, and there are times when you're just like, oh, I just can't do this. And there's so many times like, no threw my toys out of the pram plenty of times especially in Central America and the heat and yeah. bloody having deli belly every now and then you know and there's been times where I'm sick of another puncher or something like that and it just really things like that can tip you over the edge but when we're on the podcast hey welcome to how are you where are your podcast yeah we're having an amazing time cycle touring yeah despite the, the reality fact- is 50 percent of it is is the fun part but despite that Baden you still would love to continue wouldn't you yeah, 50% fun. I can like I can keep going on that. You know, that that's enough. I don't know how statistically accurate any of this is. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I given it is immeasurable. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be all fun all the time. There are going to be hard bits, but you know, when you get through those hard bits, I find that incredibly rewarding. You know, like remember that time in Ecuador where we had such a horrible day. But then when you look at it, only that last bit of it was horrible when we're in the, um, you know, when it was raining, it was cold and like we we're shivering and we just thought, no, we just can't do this anymore. But then the next day we went on and had probably one of the best days of the whole trip. Mm. You know, it really does swing in roundabouts like that. And that, that's part of the joy of it. Seven years spent living in London and then another year living on a bike how are we feeling about living in New Zealand again? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, eh? Yeah, I personally have a lot of um, good feelings about it. Um, I'm, I'm quite excited. Uh, I have a lot of ideas of things that I would like to do when I get back there. Um, I'm really uh, interested in kind of like learning about New Zealand, you know, kind of fresh. I don't know. Mm. I feel like in in the UK and even on this trip, people would ask me questions about New Zealand and I'm I'm kind of like a goldfish. I'm like, I, I don't remember how much things cost. I don't really remember how we used to do this or that. So, yeah, I think it's going to be good. And I think I've got an opportunity as well um, when we first arrived back of being a real tourist in my own country and having a slightly different perspective from maybe other Kiwis. Um, so I'm going to enjoy, I think seeing it with new eyes yeah i'm really looking forward to the cycling part mm-hmm. and but yeah the whole bit of once we get back to the hut uh it's kind of different and it's kind of whoa what, what is it gonna be like um i don't know there are a couple of important things that for me i just want to like make sure i keep in mind i think it's very important that we don't just take um uh, carry on for where our lives left it left when we left New Zealand in 2000 and started 2008 so I don't want to carry on from that point I want to like mm-hmm. do something different, different do something different like try try something new try a new way of living 
you know so so we've got some ideas of things we want to do like we've mentioned on other platforms or maybe even in this podcast about building a tiny house trying to live sustainably i think you know projects like this um you know make me feel quite excited about going home about you know new opportunities and things like that yeah. firstly when we get home i want to sort of try and understand what we've learned on this trip because mm. it's too early to process any of that stuff at yeah. this moment and um so i just want to reflect on what i've learned from doing this trip i think that's really important and then i want to try and apply some of those lessons uh, into um our new life yeah. and the main one for me is about keeping things simple. So this living for 11 or 12 months with a bike and what you can hold in, in a few panniers, um, it kind of shows you how little you really do need to live and how as soon as anyone who's been traveling knows that. And then they also know that when you stop and you stay in one place, you just start to accumulate stuff that you didn't even know you were bringing into your home and yeah. you definitely don't need. Yeah. We'll just be accumulating new bikes. And, right. And more immediately, you know, we just don't know what New Zealand's going to be like and what it, what it holds for us. And, you know, when we were in Buenos Aires, we stayed with um, Argos and Mylen, and they've actually sp lived in New Zealand, you know, um, not so long ago. So they're actually, you know, Arge we, uh, we thought, let's ask some Argentinians or let's ask Mylen, you know, what is New Zealand like? You know, what's good in New Zealand? What can we expect as a way of sort of trying to, uh, <laughs> I don't know, understand ourselves? I'm going to be living in New Zealand again soon. I haven't lived in New Zealand for a long time and I'm a little nervous. Can you tell me about some of the good things about living in New Zealand? Well, it's a really a good place like uh, be relaxing and nobody's gonna uh, judge you or something like that so you feel really comfortable you can do whatever you want and well New Zealand people with Argentinian people it's really friendly they try to make us uh, feel comfortable all the time so that that was and a good impression. Uh, I really like the yogurts. You have an amazing yogurts there. Yes, so many flavors. Here we only have uh, strawberry and vanilla, and you have uh, melon, maracuya, and so many. I, I can't remember, but I really like it. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> and what else? Uh, I really like the cheese. <laughs> and the ones and the beers the beers oh i almost forget it the beer, the beers are really good oh. i really like it okay was there anything that like annoyed you when you were living for a while in new zealand no because it's yeah it's a really good place i i i would like to live there yeah Hey, Mylen! <laughs> it's a good vote of confidence. Thank you, Mylen. <laughs> Thank you. So, Shelley, what's next? <laughs> you eating a cracker? I think that's what's next. No, we are heading to back to Buenos Aires and we're um, cleaning all our stuff up and then we're jumping on a plane and we will land in Queenstown. 
where we will get to hang out with your mum, Brenda, and her husband, Ashley. And they were just coincidentally in Queenstown that weekend anyway for a wedding and decided to stay on a couple of nights. So we get to hang out with them, which I'm really looking forward to. Mm. Um, I just think, you know, they, you know, Brenda and Ashley have been really supportive of us and Brenda's really keen to hear like lots of stories about our trip. So I think it's just going to be such a wonderful welcome to New Zealand. So I'm super looking forward to seeing those guys. Um, and then uh, once they head on home, we will prepare to um, start exploring the South Island. So yeah. we're going to Te Ano. Um, we're going to go and check out the Bluff Oysters because it's going to be Bluff Oyster season. Um, we are going to go to the Catlins. Your dad and and uh, his partner Wendy have been down there for a trip and they're just like, oh my God, you're going to love it. So we're going to go down there right down in Southland. Um, and then I think we're going to curl back up and we're going to stop off at Shingle Creek, which is um, your friend Gretchen's family home. Is that right? Yeah, Shingle Creek, Central Otago. It's... Uh... All I've heard that it's just some sort of thriving metropolis there, high country sheep farm. They've got uh, half Caraway, half no half Corridale, half Merino uh, oh, nice. sheep there. So, yeah, I know a lot about sheep farming. Oh, good. And well, maybe you can give them some advice. Maybe, oh, yeah, it could be an opportunity for me to give them some advice. And uh, but uh, but we hear the the red carpet's been rolled out for us yeah. in Shingle Creek. So, so this is uh, Baden's friend Gretchen lives in London, and um, she's from Central Otago. So she's like going to hook us up with her family. And so anyone listening, if you know anyone living in the South Island, um, you've got friends or family there. We are. Or you live in the South Island. Or yourself. you live indeed. <laughs> if you live in the South Island, we are terrified of the prices in New Zealand <laughs> and we will be scavenging any free accommodation and free food that we can find yeah definitely so yeah uh, if you've got like a, some food maybe that you're about to chuck into the bin uh, we'll Just hang on to it hang on to it we'll we'll eat it um. get into you can get in touch with us if you'd like uh, how are you where are you at gmail.com and um, invite us to stay <laughs> <laughs> or you can post a comment under this podcast at howareyouwhereareyou.com. You can find Baden online at Baden C on Twitter or Baden Cycling on Instagram. Uh, you can check out some photos of this beautiful, relaxing place by Lisa, this beachy town that we're in. We've had some photos up there of how absolutely deserted it is and how much we've been loving it. As always, thank you very much to Callum Campbell, who has provided all of the original music on this podcast. He performs as Runtime and can be found on SoundCloud. So, yeah, next time we'll come to you from New Zealand. Until then, ciao. Bye.